the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. And I'm here with Kathy Lux in the studios here at WHK in Cleveland. Good evening. And Kathy, how are you feeling today? I'm great, other than it's a somber day being 9-11. Oh, 9-11 is, I can't believe how many years have gone by. I can't either. But before we talk about that and welcome our guest, I want to make an announcement of a programming change here at uh, The Advocate. And you know, after 14 years, we're having a programming change here at WHK. The Advocate is changing its broadcast days and times. Beginning next Saturday, September 17th and Sunday the 18th, The Advocate is moving to a 30-minute format on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and a second program on Sundays at 2 p.m. The Advocate will be broadcast twice a week with two half-hour programs, and they're going to be different. Uh, The same great program with Nick and Kathy, but two times a week. Uh, Be sure to tune in on Saturdays at 6 and Sundays at 2 for The Advocate here on The Answer, WHK Cleveland. So it's going to be a big change for us rocking the boat after 14 years. But uh, with us, we're going to be talking to uh, uh, a candidate for Cuyahoga County Executive, Lee Weingart, who we've had on the show before, and who's a fixture out here in the uh, Cleveland area for many years. Lee, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Good to be on. Um, I'm sorry that my voice is kind of hoarse. I was cheering my head off today for the Cleveland Browns. What did you think of the last 30 seconds? That was something. Oh, my goodness. Best 30 seconds I've seen in football in a long time. Not to be a spoiler, but yeah, people can yeah. watch the Browns game and see it from fresh. Watch it. It's one of the most exciting games ever. It was. You know, brand new rookie kicker, 58-yard field goal. It's incredible. I think it's the longest field goal in Browns history, too. So it was um, <clears throat> quite a game. We'll say that. Oh, my. Well, first, first on the agenda, though, we want to recognize today is September 11th, and it's 2022. We are, what? Uh, 21 years. 21 in, mm-hmm. yeah. 21 yeah. years, and uh, it has changed our lives uh, with it. Uh, and so, Lee, what, we should all remember where we were when this was happening. Where were you back 21 years ago? So I was <clears throat> working for a, a small company, um, and uh, I was actually also, in 2001, I was running for Secretary of State. Um, I had started a campaign because there was going to be an opening as Secretary of State for a couple reasons. And then uh, in December of that year, the opening didn't materialize, and all the incumbents held their seats, and so I couldn't run. But I remember I was in Cleveland that day. I was not out campaigning across the state of Ohio. And um, working at the small company, and I remember it happened, and I immediately went home. Um, we had, at that point, uh, three children, uh, although the, our, our youngest, Ethan, who's now 21, was mm-hmm. very young at the time, and our two others were um, still in <clears throat> elementary school. 
And so, uh, as I recall, they, they closed the school and the kids came home and we were home and we just watched it on television again and again and again, like, like on an endless loop. And it was uh, just horrifyingly tragic and sad. And so I think now, you know, 21 years later, all those families who lost loved ones in the buildings, mm-hmm. <clears throat> on the ground and in the air, and um, you know, can never replace the loved ones, can never forget the day. And as Americans, we should never forget the day either. Um, and so we need to bow our heads on a day like this and remember um, all the fallen heroes of September 11th. And so, Lee, hi, how are you? Hi, Kathy, how are you? <laughs> Aside from a, a, a croaky voice, I'm okay. <clears throat> so I, too, remember the day vividly. I, at the time, was mayor, and we were yep. in a department head meeting at and uh, received notification of what was going on. And we were in our outer conference room. And so there was the chief of police, chief of fire, and a service director, city engineer, all of the all of the department heads, and we put the television that I had out in that outer conference room on, and watched, um, and then moved into action because um, we sent safety forces out to all of our schools. Uh, the superintendent of schools called, and we had a conversation, and decided he should not send home the kids at that point um, because at that point Cleveland was being evacuated. Uh, and 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 there was traffic blockages, and parents weren't home, and so we just sent safety forces to the schools um, and a sensitive facility that we actually have that's connected to the federal government and their functions um, in our city, and so, and had all of our vehicles gas up, and um, I just remember it as being. Um, all of us in action, but at the same time in disbelief that it was happening. Um, and so, and you know, it brought all of us as Americans together, whether you were Democrat or Republican, no matter what you were, it brought us all together. And we, we all stood as one. And I, 21 years later, and they are not teaching it in our schools. Um, 14 states are teaching it, um, but that's it, out of the country. And people have forgotten how to be united as that, and we need to get that back. And I think a huge part of that is we need the right kind of leadership, and that's where people like you can have a huge impact. And so um, and more, more citizens need to get involved at the local levels because I don't know if you agree with me. It, it used to be said some time ago, everything belongs at a local level or starts rather at a local level level. And I believe that's true. Well, I, I think yeah, that's right. I mean, if, if you really want to get something done in government, you have to do it through local government, municipal government and county government. Yes. The states uh, and the federal governments can certainly play a role in creating programs or funding programs when it comes down to the execution of the program to make it successful, it has to be done by a mayor or a county executive or other uh, local government officials. Yes. Well, well, as I think both of you are touching on the fact that I remember 9-11 of that year, and I remember exactly the Today Show at 7 a.m. The big story was Michael Jordan was returning to the Los Angeles Lakers, and I told my wife specifically, 
all must be well, if that's the lead story. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until uh, later that morning, with our daughter, by the way, who is on a college internship in uh, New York City in Midtown Manhattan that day, her <clears> second day. Wow. And uh, we were watching the unbelievable unfold on, on TV. And then the second aircraft to crash uh, was even more unreal. And I, I agree that, uh, as Kathy mentioned, through this adversity, we were all drawn together because suddenly things were put into a priority that we never dreamed we would have to be considering. Mm-hmm. And that is this un, unreal <coughs> death and destruction. But look at how far we've come from then to now. And I, I think even with the separate sides uh, of the left and the right arguing, I've never seen more political debate going on and people with political opinions than we have going on now. So. I think everyone there should really know what's going on and who their candidates are. And, and that leads us to Lee, who's running for uh, the county executive here. And uh, Lee, uh, Kathy was telling me that she's been talking to people who aren't fully aware of what our form of the, government is here for the, the county. Sure. Particularly the 30-somethings and the 40-somethings sure. don't seem to know really not only what the structure is, but what services they know they're paying taxes to the county, but they don't really know what they're getting from that. Sure. Yeah. So I think you go back a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we used to have a form of government with a three county commissioners, elected uh, sheriff, treasurer, recorder, clerk of courts, and other offices. And when we had the scandal um, of the late two uh, thousands with Jimmy Demore and Frank Russo, there was a movement to reform the government and change the government. So now we have a single county executive who's elected countywide. And 11 county council members elected from 11 distinct districts in the county. <clears throat> and the county uh, is a significant government player. So about 7,000 employees on a $1.7 billion budget. I tell people the county is everything except police, fire, and EMS, which are basically municipal or city services. But everything else is the county. So... If it's children who are up for adoption or foster care or who are abused or neglected, that falls under the county. If it's families who need counseling to stay together, that falls under the county. Seniors who want to stay in their homes longer, that's county. Mental health, MRDD, addiction services, mental health hospital, all county. Voting, uh, the courts, the jails, roads, bridges, economic development, uh, sewers. Um, all that falls within uh, the realm of the county government. Well, county Lee, government. Lee wants you to hold on to that thought. We're going to take a short break. We're talking to Lee Weingart, who's running for Cuyahoga County Executive, and he's talking to me and Kathy Lux, who's here. And we'll be back after these words. Don't go away. We're talking to Lee Weingart, and we'll be back after these words. We'll be right back. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with Kathy Lux, and we have Lee Weingart with us tonight. And I have to say, I always enjoy hearing that vintage WHK logo. And it reminds all of us that WHK this year is 100 years old. Wow. That's older than me. Not by much. (laughs) (laughs) It seems that. But anyway, we're talking to Lee Weingart, who is uh, running for Cuyahoga County Executive, and we're talking about the organizational structure of the Cuyahoga County government 
and talking about the services that uh, they're performing. So, uh, Lee, what do you think are some of the uh, structural issues that many people don't understand quite too well? So let me, uh, before I get to that, so I talked about how we spend the money in the county, so let's talk about how we raise the money. Sure. The county is funded primarily at the local level uh, through two taxes, property taxes and sales taxes. Um, about between, depending on where you live, anywhere from 12 cents to 20 cents of every property tax dollar you pay goes to the county. It depends, again, on how much your local schools are taking or your city's taking. And then on the sales tax, the county takes one and a quarter percent, one uh, percent for operations, and then a quarter percent to pay the debt on the convention center, medical mart, and the Hilton Hotel. An additional one percent of the eight percent sales tax goes to RTA, which is sort of a county function as well. So where are the challenges? Oh, my gosh, we have so little time to discuss them. Um, I'm running because I see a great burden in the government on the people. So talk about property taxes, which is you know one source of funding for the county. I'm calling, I will when I become county executive, freeze property taxes for homeowners who are at least 60 years old, living on a fixed income of fifty thousand dollars or less each year, excluding income that they get from pensions and social security. So we think this is going to affect about seventy thousand homeowners out of the total. <clears throat> 360,000 homeowners in Cuyahoga County. So about one out of five homeowners will benefit from this property tax freeze. So taxes will be frozen until they sell their homes or they otherwise transfer their homes. I think it'll keep seniors in their homes longer, which is good public policy, uh, and so I'm promoting that. Secondly, as you may have seen the Plain Dealer uh, two Sundays ago now, um, I've announced a plan to consolidate all income tax collection under the county. Rather than have uh, 56 municipalities levied income tax that has varying rates, varying credits, and varying credit limits, it often results in taxpayers paying two local income taxes, one to where they work and one to where they live. I am calling for a unified single county income tax, probably 2.25%, that would be levied on anybody who lives or works in Cuyahoga County, but just once not twice. Uh, the tax would come out of your paycheck every month, just like federal and state taxes are withheld. The county would collect the money and disperse it back to the cities, uh, keeping none for itself. So 100% of what the county collects would be remitted back to the cities uh, for their operations. Is that going to require any change in state law at all? Is that legally possible? No change, no change in state law. The Constitution already provides, Ohio Constitution provides the mechanism Mm-hmm. So the county would assume exclusive local income tax authority. It requires a vote of the people. It would require a, a positive vote or majority vote in the city of Cleveland and a majority vote in the suburbs as a whole. So you just have two majorities, one in the city of Cleveland and one in the suburbs as a whole. And I think we can get it because this will, my plan does away with RITA and CCA and all the municipal tax departments in places like Lakewood and Parma and Brook Park. So we can squeeze $25 million of cost out of the system. That $25 million goes right back to the cities. So the plan, I think, works for a variety of reasons. First, simplifies local income tax, levying, and collection. 
That's you true. only pay one, yeah. and it's withheld. So well, that, better than paying twice to read up. That, that sounds uh, nice and streamlined, but I guess my question is, if you have like 50 suburbs in Cuyahoga County uh, and 26 vote to do this, does it pass or does it have to be city by city that has to pass? It's not, no, it's not city by city. It's just you have to pass it as a whole in the suburbs. So a majority so of cities. Are, no, not a majority of the voters. So you'd have to, let's say there were you know, 400,000 wow. votes cast, you would need 201,000. So it's got to be a majority of the votes cast in the suburbs on the issue and a majority of the votes cast in the city of Cleveland. So you get to have two majorities. Um, again, the voters in the city of Cleveland and then the voters in the suburbs that surround Cleveland, the entire county. So simplifies taxes for everybody, which is very important. Secondly, it's a protection against revenue loss to the cities from remote work. Mm-hmm. The most glaring example is the city of Cleveland, where I've seen a report that shows on the good side, Cleveland could lose $25 million a year in income taxes because of remote work, or on the extreme side, $125 million a year. My plan, because it's levied on uh, workers who live or work in Cairo County, if your employer is in Cleveland and you work in North Royalton, you would still pay the county tax. And Cleveland gets a proportionate share of that tax. But what's happening then, now with uh, people who, uh, their main office job is, say, in Cleveland, but they're working in, yeah. say, North Royalton remotely. Uh, yeah. don't, so, does Cleveland so what, get any so what, of this? So what's happening is Cleveland, is, their, their employers are still withholding 2.5%, which is the Cleveland payroll tax. And, that's, and then the workers have to go to uh, CCA, which is the Central Collection Agency, which is the tax-collecting arm of the city of Cleveland, mm-hmm. and request a refund of that 2.5%. And, of course, it's taking a while to get it done because Cleveland doesn't want to part with the money. What will happen, I think, in a couple of years, if we have under the current system, is that workers will demand that that 2.5% not be withheld from their paycheck. So they'll no longer have to request a refund because they'll never be withheld in the first place. So that's why I believe that places like Cleveland uh, and Strongsville and Solon, Beachwood, Independence, Brexel, uh, large employment centers are going to lose revenue because people are working from homes. They're working uh, at their job sites in those communities. And then the third thing I think the advantage is it makes County County more competitive to attract employers and jobs. A big barrier to bringing companies into Cleveland and Cairo County is RETA. Uh, only one other state in the nation, Michigan, charges a tax system like we have, where you can pay a tax where you work and where you live. Most other states do not have a tax on where you live. So if you're coming from California, one of the highest tax states in the nation, come to Ohio, you're scratching your head, why am I paying RETA? Why am I paying a payroll tax to the city of Cleveland, and then a RETA tax to my home community. So we make Cod County much more competitive, and we end uh, the nefarious practice of cities in the county competing for new jobs and new employers by offering income tax abatements or credits. And of course, we know that when you abate a tax, you credit a tax, you are reducing the revenue coming into the treasury of that community to pay for critical police fire, and EMS services. So because of simplification of the tax system, protecting 
our municipalities from revenue loss, making our county more competitive, I believe this is the way we should move as a community to have a unified single county income tax. And so, Lee, one of the, I have a question, um, because, you know, municipalities in general, I know uh, it, it was certainly true for North Royalton, their primary revenue source is income tax. People yep. think that's, that the city is getting, residents think the city is getting a lot of their property taxes, when in fact the majority of it is going to the school system, the metro <clears throat> parks, um, the county, various places, and the city really only gets a very small portion. So That's true. So they rely upon those income taxes yep. um, heavily. And so am I understanding you to say that cities would not be losing revenue? They would not be. So uh, the county would become the collection agency, if you will, instead of having RITA and CCA. Okay. Would collect, would collect the taxes and remit the taxes back to the cities mm-hmm. without keeping any of the money for itself, for collection or remittance or any other purpose. So okay. all the money that RITA keeps for its operations or CCA keeps for its operations or local tax departments in communities like Lakewood and Parma keep, could be, those would be disbanded. You wouldn't need to pay those agencies any longer. Mm-hmm. I think it's about $25 million a year in savings. Uh, and we just, and that $25 million is sent right back to the city, just like all the taxes collected. Wow, that's an interesting idea, Lee. I, it really Thank is. Thank you. Well, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Lee Weingart and Kathy Lux and myself, Nick Phillips here on The Advocate. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back after these words, so don't go away. Uh, we're talking about county government and how our $1.7 billion budget is spent uh, every year and how to either lower that or make it more efficient or something, but Lee Weingart has the answers for us. So don't go away. We'll take a short break, and we'll be coming right back. Don't go away. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. We're here with Kathy Lux and also Lee Weingart, uh, who's a candidate for the Cuyahoga County Executive coming up this November's election. Lee, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Nick and Kathy. Great to be back on the show. Yes, yeah, so we're talking about new and wonderful ways of looking at county government here uh, that, that we have going on. And we're talking about restructuring how income taxes are collected and allocated. Uh, but uh, what, what are some of the other thoughts that you've looked at and you want to implement? So we've got some major problems in county operations, and I'll focus on one that's really heartbreaking. Uh, the county often takes charge of children from families because of a variety of reasons. It could be abuse or other things. When I was county commissioner 26 years ago, there were sufficient number of <clears throat> nonprofit organizations that could take the children who were separated from their families and give them um, a loving, supportive um, environment where they would get counseling, education, and treatment. Over the last two decades, a number of the organizations have gone out of business or have changed their focus. 
So what we've seen the last couple of years in Cuyahoga County is children who are taken from their families by the county are being what I would call warehoused in a government building, the Jane Edna Hunter Building, which is uh, one of the county's buildings. And this is simply because the county uh, will not pay a fair reimbursement rate to providers like Greer Children's Home, Belfair, Applewood Centers, and the Cleveland Christian Home that have sufficient space available to house all these children in, in, a, uh, in a responsible environment where they can be, again, educated um, and taken care of. And so right now the county reimbursement rate justifies uh, hiring staff at about a $13 an hour rate, and nobody is going to work um, with uh, children who have challenges for $13 an hour where they can go to Amazon or Target and make $18, $19, $20 an hour. Mm-hmm. So what I've said is I will immediately raise the reimbursement rate so that these great providers who've been around for decades, in some cases over 100 years, to make sure they have a space available and staff who can support children who are separated from their families by the county. The county is also shipping children out of state. So they're taking children from families and sending them to places like Tennessee, Texas, and Alabama. And that's not right because you really eliminate the chance for the families to be reunited, the parents and the child to be reunited if the child is being held in Alabama or Texas. That's horrendous. I'll stop any out-of-state out of state placements when I'm county executive. In fact, I'm going to replace the entire top tier of the county HHS system because they are failing uh, both these children and the citizens of this county. So that's a major problem, and I'm going to fix it when I become county executive. Sounds like a lot of work that you have cut out for you. I mean, sort of. Uh, we've just scratched the surface, Nick. You know, there's you've got... Um, so many other challenges. We're not investing in the urban core of the county. I've got a plan to help 10,000 families who are currently renting properties or living in public housing within the homes that they own. Uh, I have a vision to create 4,000 new good-paying jobs in Cleveland suburbs, and then creating a $10 million uh, entrepreneurship fund to grow, form and grow 250 new small businesses in the city of Cleveland and the first ring suburbs. So we really need, I think, to massively invest in the urban core of the county, keep Cleveland strong. Um, and that matters to everybody, whether you live in Cleveland or North Royalton or it does. Chagrin Falls or anywhere else. If Cleveland fails, the county will fail. If there's any question about that, just look at Detroit, Michigan, and Wayne County, Michigan in the 1970s and 1980s. I, I think I feel I agree with you so strongly on that, Lee. And I don't know if people really realize that. Um, in the, um, in the I, suburbs. I think, yeah. You know, I think they do. Cause do I've they? been campaigning now for, for 20 months, and I and I had the same pitch when I'm in Glenville or Strongsville. It doesn't really matter where I am. I talk the same thing, and people, mm-hmm. I see their heads, their heads nod. They know they get it. how important. They get it. They know Cleveland can't fail. You know, we don't live in a bubble. Uh, things that happen in Cleveland affect us uh, in the suburbs. I mean, that's where you go. If you want to see a musical or a play, mm-hmm. that's where you go. If you want to see the Browns or the Guardians or the Cavs, that's where you go for a night on the town. So you have to make sure that Cleveland remains a strong, viable community. Again, I think my unified county income tax does a lot of that because it keeps the revenue flowing to the city of Cleveland. And um, you know, it'll be my responsibility as county executive to work with the mayor of Cleveland and the council president in Cleveland 
to make sure that we're doing everything we can at the county level to support their growth plans for the city. The, a position that has some controversy to it over the years has been the sheriff's uh, position. Uh, what What's that situation and any recommendations? It is. Uh, so when I was county commissioner in the mid-1990s, we had an elected sheriff. His name was Jerry McFall. He passed away uh, earlier this year. Uh, and when he was a sheriff, the jail was run in a much safer way than it is today because Jerry had responsibility for the jail. Uh, politically and in actuality, he had responsibility. And I think he knew that if somebody died on his watch when he was sheriff, he needed to explain that to the voters when he sought reelection uh, within you know, the term uh, of being elected sheriff. So today we have an appointed sheriff. We've had, a, I think, five or six appointed sheriffs since we changed the forms of government. And that sheriff doesn't really have control over the jail, I don't think. In fact, the number two person, the jail director, uh, was appointed by the current county executive, Armin Budish, and that jail director is now in jail for creating an environment that was deadly in the jail. Uh, in fact, 15 people have died in the last four years in the Cuyahoga County Jail because of the environment that was set up um, where the sheriff just didn't have control. Uh, I think we changed that by electing the county sheriff, making him accountable to the people not just to the county executive and the county council. You know, tied in with that sheriff's position, we have the jail and the court structure. Uh, that's still up for grabs as far as how we're going to improve the justice center and the county jail. Which direction are you recommending? So right now, the plan on the table is a $600 million jail to be built on a contaminated site just outside of downtown Cleveland. Uh, I read part of the environmental report that was done on the site. There's something called the lower explosive limit, which sounds very menacing. That relates to methane gas, which, as we all know, is very explosive. The site in question uh, exceeds the lower explosive limit for methane gas, which just means if you build a jail on that site, there's a chance it could blow up. But beyond that, there's so much other contamination that I think 40 years from now, if we were to build a jail on that site, the county would be inundated with claims of cancer and other diseases that were caused by being on that site, whether it be it's a defendant in the jail or a corrections officer managing the jail. So I'm not going to put a $600 million jail on a contaminated site. My alternative plan is to renovate Jail 2, which is one of our two jails downtown, uh, which is about 700 beds, probably reduced to about 500 beds because we need to make changes in the size of the cells, and then build a smaller jail somewhere outside downtown Cleveland, maybe in the 500 to 700 um, defendant range. So we'd have a total capacity of about 1,200, which I think is where we need to be. Franklin County, which is a bigger county than Cuyahoga County, just opened two new jails, and the total capacity is 1,000. So Franklin County, which is bigger than Cuyahoga County, can get by with a jail capacity of 1,000. I don't know why we can't get by with a jail capacity of, say, 1,200. We can if our judges exercise some discipline and don't sentence everybody that comes before them uh, who's arrested 
to the county jail to, to wait their arraignment and trial. I think people who are arrested on nonviolent offenses, particularly marijuana, drug offenses, who, if they themselves are not violent, should not be sitting in the county jail. They should probably be sitting at the detention center, I mean, at the uh, diversion center, um, which we opened last year, the county opened last year, and is not being used uh, at all, really, or given uh, summons and sent home, uh, much like a speeding ticket. So we can reduce the size, the population of the county jail, if the judges exercise some discipline and don't just lock everybody up. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a, a, a much better approach than what we have. I raised my eyebrows out hearing $600 million. That's right. Uh, and I, I think about the medical mart and the money spent on that and what that's doing for the county now. So, uh, building a, a major structure on contaminated property that is explosive. We're going to have to talk about that a little bit, uh, I think, before anything really happens. But uh, we're talking to Lee Weingart. He's a candidate for the Cuyahoga County Executive. And we're talking about Cuyahoga County business. So uh, don't go away. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with our final segment of The Advocate tonight with Lee Weingart and Kathy Lux and I. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Stay with us. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. And I want to let everyone know again, this is our last night Sunday here at WHK at 8 p.m. After 14 years, we're having a programming change. The Advocate is changing its broadcast days and times. Beginning next Saturday, September 17th, and Sunday, September 18th, The Advocate is moving to a 30-minute format on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and a second program on Sundays at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. The Advocate will be broadcast twice a week with two one-half-hour programs, the same great program with Nick and Kathy, but two times a week. So be sure to tune in on Saturdays at 6 and Sundays at 2 for The Advocate here on The Answer, WHK Cleveland. And we're with Lee Weingart talking about all the things that need to be done in Cuyahoga County. Lee, thank you for being here and sharing with us. Nick, and thanks, Kathy. It's been great to be back on. And thank you for tolerating my croaking voice after that big bronze victory today. You're doing just fine, and it's great to have you. And, you know, some of these topics, I mean, we could spend uh, the hour show on just one of these topics because there's, there is so much there. Um, so, so. You know, I'll, put it, I'll put in one, one more plug here. So back sure. in 1995 when I was county commissioner, we put an issue on the ballot extending the syntax to build a new city for the Cleveland Browns. You may recall this. Oh, yeah. Uh, we do. And the, and the Sunday before, and, and I campaigned for it exclusively. My colleagues on the board of commissioners did not campaign with me. And so on the Sunday before the vote, Art Modell announced he was taking the Browns to Baltimore. I'm sure he was thinking that if he announced on Sunday, the voters surely wouldn't extend the tax on themselves on Tuesday. Well, Tuesday came, and we extended that tax by a margin of 72%, the biggest margin of any tax in Cuyahoga County history. Well, Mike White, then mayor of Cleveland, and I took that victory with us to the NFL, and we argued to bring a football team back to Cleveland called the Cleveland Browns. And as you know, that happened a few years later. So that vote in 1995, extending a tax for a team that no longer existed, 
is why the Browns are back in Cleveland and why they won today. Well, thank you. Mm. Without him, we wouldn't have watched the game today. Very true. And we still love the uniforms of the Browns and the name Browns and everything that goes with it and Cleveland and Cuyahoga County. Yes, we do. Oh, my goodness. Real quick, in the last few minutes we have for tonight, uh, how are we doing job-wise in Cuyahoga County and this part of Ohio, and what does the future look like, especially with inflation and all that? So we're not doing well. The last study I saw had Cuyahoga County um, number one or number two for unemployment in the state of Ohio. Um, studies that I've done myself on the county comparing it to other urban counties in the Midwest, like uh, Franklin County, Ohio, Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, which of course is Pittsburgh, and a few others, uh, we had the highest unemployment among similar urban counties throughout the Midwest. And I think, again, it's our tax system, our very high sales tax, our double local income tax system that I want to reform with my unified county income tax, and a lack of focus. I don't think the folks who've run the county government now for 25 years, and it has been a single party, a Democratic Party, that's run the county for 25 years, sufficiently understands the importance of jobs. There is no better social program than a job. If you have a job, you can buy a house. When you buy a house, generate wealth for your family that you can pass on to generation and generation. That's why I'm promoting my ideas to create 10,000 new private homeowners in the, in the city of Cleveland, the first suburbs, and a 4,000 job vision for the county. We've got to get our people working again. We do that by focusing our time and resources on job creation and by making our tax system fairer and simpler and easier to implement. When, when we hear that nationally, uh, there's uh, a lot of jobs available and just not enough workers wanting to work. Uh, how's that playing out here in Cuyahoga County? Is that not true? Or if it's not so, how's, you know, it, how's it different? Are, I think there are openings for jobs that people don't want to do anymore. A lot of fast food jobs, uh, a lot of retail jobs that are can be very backbreaking, and people don't see those as a career. Um, I want to focus on jobs that people will view as a career. So, for example... We're playing on our historic manufacturing excellence to bring in advanced manufacturing jobs. Um, working with our three excellent hospital systems, the Cleveland Clinic, University Hospitals, and Metro Health, to, to attract or create companies in the, in the biotech and med tech space. And then lastly, leveraging our Great Lake and all that fresh water to attract companies that are water innovative or water intensive. Again, I'm focusing on good-paying jobs, you know, $25 an hour to start uh, with full benefits and not always require a college degree. We can do that, get our folks back to work in career-building jobs. I think we'll take a big step for making this a successful county again. So, so Lee, I have some questions here on this. Um, I, I, I really like what you're, what you're saying about this, but in, I'm also thinking at the same time you're saying it, that I know um, manufacturing companies are having huge difficulties finding skilled machinists. Um, and I'm wondering if we need to do more about training. Um, is that, can, does the county, would you see the county getting involved in training for people to, or, or at least um, supporting the training facilities that we do have 
and encouraging people to um, get into those training facilities, people that are coming out of uh, perhaps misdemeanors and not sending them to jail, but saying, okay, let's get you in the workforce and part of your rehabilitation. And a program that kind of coordinates, um, because I, I see we don't have enough contractors, electricians, plumbers, right? Uh, all of it. And, and so, and, you know, to some degree, I, I think people left being machinists, you know, and our machining is no longer just push button. Um, there's highly skilled computerized um, machining involved now in most machining. And so, and that requires trained workers. So I, I wonder, can you speak to that? I can. So the counties uh, and the cities together spend about $20 million a year. It was job, Ohio means jobs, which is a job training program coordinated by the city and the county. Mm-hmm. I think we need to have the training really match the needs of employers and of labor unions. Because we, we do have um, a dearth of employees in the trades, and there are construction jobs available right now, need to be filled. Yeah. And, of course, working with, with, with major employers and even smaller employers to develop training curricula that's relevant to them. So when they hire somebody, we'll be able to get them trained and get them to work. Uh, we can do a lot more with job training in Cuyahoga County. I think we're just scratching the surface of what we can do. But I do want it to be led by employers, led by labor, so that we're training people for the job, not just for today, but for the future. I, I think that's a, a great a great way to move forward. Well, thank Lee, well, Lee, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, you're campaigning in Cuyahoga County, which has, what, between 1 and 1.3 million people in it? Is that... It's a lot of people. 800,000 voters. We're talking as we can of them. Oh, my goodness. Well... You take care of yourself, stay healthy, and uh, keep up the fight. Good luck, Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Kathy. Have a great week coming up. Take care. You You too. too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And and thank all of you for joining us. We'll, We'll see you next week on New Times, Saturday and Sunday. Have a good evening. Good night, everybody. Good night. Pointed slippers by the bamboo door On the wall a faded picture of a movie queen Torn from the pages of some ancient magazine Sleeping parrot, dreaming parrot dreams And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea Nothing to do until morning And only my mind for company The Advocate is sponsored by Nick Phillips and is responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.